This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 1343 of Horse Tip Daily, your almost everyday morsel of helpful hints, useful facts, and practical techniques for horse folks. Brought to you today by Wintech Saddles. Horse people, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horses in the Morning Horse Health segment featuring HITM co-hosts Glenn and Helena, along with Dr. Madison Siemens. And they chat a little bit about equine herpes virus, also commonly referred to as EHV or EHM. And today's episode is brought to you by Wintech Saddles. Available now from leading retailers throughout North America, the new and improved range from Wintech the world's favorite synthetic saddle brand. Combining hard-wearing materials with best-in-class technology, the range of new and improved Wintech saddles now has something for every discipline, confirmation, and budget. The new specialist confirmation saddle models include the Wintech 2000 High Wither All-Purpose, Wintech 2000 Wide All-Purpose, and the Wintech Pro Wide Dressage. And that's not all. Improved comfort for you and your horse with super soft panels that mold in and around your horse's working muscles for a closer, more stable fit. Plus, the amazing new saddle flap that contours around your horse, channeling your thigh to improve contact. Head out to your local retailer and have a sit in one of the new and improved Wintech saddles or visit them online at Wintech Saddles, that's saddles plural, dot U.S. Wintech Saddles dot U.S. And there you have it. And now on with our tip. We have Dr. Siemens coming up next of Cornerstone Equine Medical Service. And Dr. Siemens, he's new to me, but I've listened to him as a fan of Horses in the Morning. So I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to him today. And we're going to talk about something that's, it's abbreviated EHM, which is, I'm not even going to go there, but uh, I think most of us are familiar with equine herpes virus, EHV. So this is sort of related to that. And um, I'm really eager to find out what Dr. Siemens has to say about this and how we can keep an eye out for it. So let's welcome Dr. Siemens to the show. So EHV is is an issue. Um, Tell us about EHM and how it's related to equine herpes virus. Well, it's complicated, and and we we don't know a whole lot about viruses. It's they're a very interesting parasite. So let's just let me just give you the, the cliff notes about parasite about parasites in general and viruses in particular. Uh, uh, we understand that uh, bacterial infections and other parasitic infections, the things that we think about, you know, worms and all that kind of stuff. It's a the reason it's parasitic infection is because the host doesn't benefit. So only the parasite benefits. But but most parasites have the ability to to replicate the process energy to assimilate nutrition on their own because they have all of the things that they need, even the single cell organisms, bacteria. The viruses are the perfect parasites. They have none of that baggage. All they are is a genetic template. It's RNA or DNA. So they invade, invade the host cell, they get inside the cell, and they they turn that around and just commandeer all of the processes that the cell normally does for their own purposes, their own replication, their own function. 
So our understanding of, of, of this types of these types of infections and their prevention, uh, we're just so far behind the curve. It's not even funny. Wow. So there's, 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 there's things to worry about and things to not worry about. So let's put this in perspective. Okay. You got to understand the equine herpes viruses. There's at least nine of them now. Uh, and there's, they're going to be discovering more all the time, but equine herpes viruses are ubiquitous in the environment. They're not related to horses. They've been isolated in polar bears. Somebody had a lot of time on their hands. I mean, yeah, yeah. people can't find herpes virus. Hey, hold polar still. Bear. I got to take uh, some blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> okay. You, bend you over with one or the other. Yeah, bend exactly. Over. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and this is one of those diseases that, that makes people, you know, it causes lots of wailing and gnashing of teeth. So let's put this in perspective a little bit. Yes, it is potentially a dangerous disease, but it's not even a reportable disease as far as the USDA and FDA is concerned. And so like rabies, brucellosis, those are diseases that people get really worried about, and that's why they're reportable to the federal agencies. But equine herpes virus is not. So it'll cause basically four different syndromes in horses that we know of. It can cause a respiratory disease. It can cause uh, skin lesions. It can cause abortions, it can cause uh, neonatal death in foals, and it can cause a neurologic syndrome. But let's put this in perspective, okay? In 2018, there was 154 reported cases of equine herpes virus infections in horses in the United States, 151 or two or three. 28 of them died or were euthanized. In 2018, 48 horses were killed by lightning strikes, and another 100 horses burnt up in barns that were struck by lightning. So you're more than five times likely to have your horse die of lightning than you are to have him die of a herpes infection. Hmm. Okay. But there's there's been a recent outbreak. So I think that's that's what gets us scared. So while the likelihood may be low, when we are exposed to it, when it does happen to us, it it can be devastating. So how do well, we uh, is there absolutely. is there a vaccine for EHV? Oh, yeah. There's okay. lots of vaccines. <laughs> the question is, does it help? Okay, let's, let's just back up another notch or two. Okay, 30 years ago, I worked in a really large referral hospital, and we would see an occasional case of the herpes myelitis in horses. And we put them right there in the, in the rest of the hospital barn with the rest of the horses. We never saw it spread, ever, not once. And so now we know that it's probably more contagious than it used to be. The viruses change, okay? Flu viruses changes every year. That's why it's so hard to vaccinate against the flu. So our understanding about this is uh, is limited at best. The best best research was done out of, the, out of one of the labs at, uh, at UC Davis, but some of that information is 10 years old. So our, 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 our thought here is that is that 80% of horses in the United States carry the herpes virus. 80% are infected. And this, this happens either while they're still inside the mare or, or during their first early few days of life. So it is ubiquitous in our horse population. So the, the challenge here is, okay, when is it going to start causing diseases? Well, the challenge with the herpes virus is, is something called latency. And so it gets, you get infected early in life and it stays in your spinal cord. And then different stressors will actually cause that to be brought out and, and replicate and multiply and then cause disease. So it makes it a real challenge to try to just look at a horse and say, yeah, this horse, got, this horse has it, this horse doesn't. 
and what the stressors are and what actually stimulates this thing that thing to start becoming diseases is it's just it's just not well understood. Mm. So you know if you if you've got a if you've got an active case, okay, it gets spread by either direct contact, fomites, that's tack, you know, brushes, people, veterinarians, clothes. Uh, it can be aerosolized, okay? You've got to be probably within about 50 feet of an active case for your horse to be truly exposed. So in a, in a large public boarding facility, horses within three or four stalls of an active case are potentially at risk. But again, this is something that they were probably infected early in life. And so having more virus thrown at you at any given time, it's hard to say if this is going to cause a problem or not. So once so, we... The, 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 latency, the, the latency is the real challenge here because it, it, it's in their body. But what, what brings it out? You know, who knows? So once it's brought out and our, our horse is showing symptoms of it, what can we do at that point to help them or support them? Well, we just don't have a whole lot of treatment against viruses, unfortunately. Uh, there's a there's a couple of the acyclovir type compounds that have been used. Uh, the challenge is that by the time the horse is is showing the neurologic symptoms, uh, some of these things this this is just after the fact. And one of the newer acyclovir compounds is just cost prohibitive for most people. I mean, it would cost you thousands of dollars to treat these horses. Hmm. Wow. Okay, so you're the bearer of good news today, there, Doctor yeah. Siemens. Jeez. Yeah. Well, no, it's 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 one of these things that people worry about, but they probably shouldn't. And so the 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 big one that we had it out of Ogden, Utah, back in 2011. It was one of the biggest ones we've had, and we lost a few horses from that. And I'm not trying to downplay the 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 scary nature of this particular problem, but uh, if we knew how many diseases we're actually exposed to when we take our horses to a show or a trail ride or, you know, to, to the vet clinic. I mean, how would make us want to just stay home and, and, uh, and try to find some of that bubble wrap, bubble wrap Kevlar that you're so fond of advertising. <laughs> man. I'm still developing that. It, it'll be out soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it get it gets, it even gets more confusing because there are many vaccines available. Uh, we understand that, that, However, the vaccines will not prevent the infection, again, because of this latency thing. So the best, the best information that we have now suggests that using a modified live vaccine, and there's several out there, uh, up to twice a year for horses at risk, the best we can expect is that once they get infected, it will decrease the amounts of virus that they shed. So it won't prevent the disease. But we may have some some herd population types of effects that may prevent others from getting the disease. So bottom line is don't 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 vaccinate your horse feeling that you're going to prevent this. Vaccinate your horse maybe when he gets or if he gets infected, he won't spread it to other horses. Ah, so, so. that that ma- that makes it just terribly confusing. And and you know the bottom line is don't worry about it. Don't. I like that. I'm when someone tells when a veterinarian tells me don't worry about it, I take that yeah, to because heart. Because we very I, seldom I get that. that <laughs> but how can we test for it? So let's say you, you know our horse gets a runny nose. Big deal. We we get through that. At what point do we say this is an uh, these neurological symptoms may be EHM or they may be related to EHV? Can we do a swab or something? No. Here's here, the, the, the there's more challenges here. 
And so, yes, there are tests, okay? And there's two types of tests. There's a, there's a nasal swab that actually tests, tests for viral particles, and then there's an antibody test from the blood, okay? Antibody, not antibiotics. But again, the antibody test tells us that we have been exposed. It doesn't tell us that we have active disease. And so, for example, if a horse has received a vaccine in the recent six months, they will probably test positive for those antibodies. But whether or not that tells us that we have an active disease is, it remains to be seen. So, for example, we can pull blood on me today and test it for, for uh, human influenza. And I will probably test positive because I have had the disease in the last six or eight months. It doesn't tell us that I have active disease. So historically, what we've done when we're looking at antibody titers is acute and convalescent titers. Basically, we pull blood today, and then we pull blood two weeks from today, and then we test it for the antibody titers. And if we see a four-fold increase arise in the titer over that two-week period, then voila, that's the diagnosis. Now, the downside of that is, that's sometimes either dead or better in two weeks, and so do we really care? It's, 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 it's an academic exercise, and it drives me nuts. Now, the PCR, okay, the, that that we do in the nasal swab, okay, if you test it in time, a lot of times you will find presence of, of that virus in the nasal swab. But if you, wait, if you wait too late, then that virus is gone from the nasal cavity, okay? So if you test for antibodies too early, you may not be getting a reaction to the, to the presence of the virus that will cause that, that elevation in the, in the antibody. If you test too late, you may miss it in the nasal swab. So it's, it's, it's not a slam dunk. It's not like those TV crime shows. You know, we're going to run some lab work and we're going to get the answer back before the next commercial. It's, it's very complicated. <laughs> and our, idea, our ideas about, about prevention have changed dramatically. In public boarding facilities and training facilities in the 1980s and 90s, the standard of practice was flu and rhino vaccine. Well, that's, that's the, the code name for equine herpes is rhino. So when they say rhino pneumonitis, okay, they're talking about one of the equine herpes viruses. So back in the 80s and 90s, the standard of practice in many public boarding facilities and training facilities was, uh, was a flu rhino vaccine every eight weeks and a pace warmer. That was the standard of practice. And so now we know, at least in some, in some cases, in a, in a paper published by uh, Clara Fenger uh, last year showed that uh, if we vaccinate against the herpes virus too often, we will actually cause that disease in some horses. And so we're using the, the modified live vaccine in some populations to try to affect some, some herd population management, not individual cases. So, and, you know, stay tuned. I mean, our, our whole vaccine protocol changes on a fairly regular basis. We've gone from, you know, vaccinating every eight weeks and not vaccinating at all to now they're saying using one of the modified live products may help reduce the amount of shedding. So we, we had a case here in Idaho about a month ago, and it caused much wailing and gnashing of teeth. It was awful. We have one case. Cause we, have, I, we probably have 500,000 horses in Idaho. We had one case. That's an outbreak. I mean, that doesn't sound like an outbreak to me. No, it sounds like and an so, isolated you know, incident. The, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's truly, yeah. it was, you know, it was in a pub, it was in a public boarding facility. There were no other cases. I mean, it just, it sounds, it sounds like, uh, you know, just a little bit, a little bit overkill. They, so they got the state vets involved. They did a bunch of testing. They did their due diligence. They did everything right. It was, it was a beautiful way to manage these things. And so they did the PCR and it did come back equine herpes virus, but there's, there's, 
two different strains of the EHV1, and one of them, call, they call that EHM, that herpes myeloencephalopathy, and then there's another one that's just EHV, the non-neurogenic strain. Okay. This is where it gets confusing. This was the non-neurogenic strain, but it was causing neurologic symptoms. Huh. If oh, anybody geez. can explain that to me... Yeah, if anybody can explain that to me, I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> so these these viruses come in, they they take over the the cellular DNA. It's it's basically like they're they're kicking the bus driver out and they're driving the bus, but but they're different kinds of bus drivers. That's the, that's the best that's the best analogy I've heard. Good job. Okay, good, I got it. And, and then some some of them are, are licensed to drive a, a tractor trailer, and some of them can only drive the short bus. Yeah. I got it. Exactly. Well, exactly. on but short they, bus, but, but we're going to call it a day it, here. Um, <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> Dr. Siemens, thank you so much. Listen, yeah, go sell, ahead. My, sell my book, Glenn. Sell my book. Yeah, what is the book? Give it Give it the details. The book, the book is Never Trust a Sneaky Pony and Other Things They Did Not Teach Me in Vet School. And uh, it's available through my website, cornerstoneequine.com. And there's only one E between Cornerstone and Equine. And uh, we're in our third printing now. So it's uh, if you like the way that I talk uh, about these things today, then you'll probably like the book. And uh, if not, well, then I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll go to Cornerstone Equine, <laughs> and you can find the book there. Thank you, Dr. Siemens. We appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Call me again. All right. Take care. Take care. <laughs> All right, bye. Well, that about wraps it up. You can find links to today's guests at horsetipdaily.com. Make sure to have all of your favorite Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go by downloading the free Horse Radio Network app for your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. It's free and easy to use. You can also subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks again to our sponsor for today's episode, Wintech Saddles. This is Coach Jen, and I will be back again soon with another tip. So until then, go ride your horse. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements made by guests on the Horse Tip Daily. Please use your own judgment when listening to the tips on this show. <laughs>